0: Welcome to the Yogi Fuel Podcast, the podcast that's all about up-leveling your health, your practice, and your consciousness. We'll be taking the ancient wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science, having conscious conversations with spiritual thought leaders and alternative health professionals, and sometimes just me sharing my own experiences and knowledge to support you on your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Melissa Singh, and this is the Yogi Fuel Podcast. So exciting. So we are live on Facebook. For those of you who are in the Facebook group live right now, first of all, hello. Second of all, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the first yes. episode of the two girls, a one practice monthly like podcast episode thing that we're doing. Um, like we said, this has been years and making me and Lise have been practicing our personal podcasts to one another for like literally years in the voice notes. We were like, man, we need that wisdom. To be shared with the world, like we at least have some deep conversations, like hundred <laughs> percent. Anyways, and so. then the
1: more people can like join in on this and bring more wisdom, it's awesome. Hundred percent.
0: So um, for those of you in the Facebook group, um, we love your comments and we would love for you to comment. However, we're not going to respond to comments until um, the end of the live. So if you've got any questions about anything we talk about, questions about us, questions about what we do, anything, just like pop them in the comments and we'll go through after and we'll go and we will answer those. Um, But yeah, we will get started. Let me just make sure that everyone, yay, everyone can hear us. Great, great, great. Excellent, excellent. I'm hopping over to the Zoom thingy and I will not be able to see Facebook people. For a while. So it's official. We're here. Two girls. One practice. G one p Okay, so first of all, yes, thanks everyone for coming hanging out with us. Um, we thought we would start off our first episode by introducing ourselves because some of you probably, if you're in the Beyond the Austina group, then you know me because it's my group, but maybe you don't know Elise super well or Whatever. So we thought we would just briefly introduce ourselves so you know a little bit about who we are. And then we're going to talk about our friendship because it's really our friendship that like obviously sparked this podcast. If we weren't friends, like we wouldn't be doing this. Um, And then we want to talk about this idea of conscious relationships and cultivating conscious friendships because it's something I think that's kind of lacking. Um, We might not be super intentional about that. So um, I guess I'll just quickly go first and introduce myself because most of you know me. I'm Mel. Mel Singh. I'm an Ayurvedic counselor a mom. If you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen Sats, um, meditation teacher and devoted Ashtangi. And Ashtanga is actually the thread that connected me and Elise. And I feel like it's like that practice that really like spawned this whole two girls, one practice podcast and all this like conscious conversation. But even if you don't practice Ashtanga yoga, it's like the wisdom from this, you know, like it applies to everything else and it applies to any other practice that, that you take on. So that is me, Elise. Who
1: are you? Awesome. And, <laughs> yes, Ashtanga is definitely like the one practice, but I mean, our practice is also so many things. Like everything we talk about, we're always like, this is a practice and that's a practice. Like life is just a practice and that all comes from like, you know, our practice, which is uh, the Ashtanga practice, which is cool how we can sort of like breathe into the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm an Ashtanga teacher. Um, And yeah, I'm just starting to sort of take that stuff online as well. So starting to bring out, develop programs to help people learn Ashtanga, learn yoga, um, who maybe don't have access to a teacher. And yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I'm a devoted Ashtangi and that pretty much defines my (laughs) life. (laughs) As you said, like early riser, though I'm not waking up early lately because I had appendicitis earlier this month. So um but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm a yoga teacher. Okay. I just thought
0: of something interesting that we could talk about is our old selves. Who were you before? Because you were not always an early riser and you were not
1: always an Ashtanga teacher. Who was Elise, like, I don't know, uh, seven, eight, who years Who is Elise? It's such yeah. a deep question. I know. I'm like, I'm a yoga teacher. Is that all I am, Mel? No. <laughs> You're so not. much more. You're so much more. I'm so much more than that. Um, yeah, I was a bartender for like 10 years um, before in terms of what I did. Uh, before I was an Ashtangi. So, yeah, my lifestyle was like super, super different. Um, and it's really like turned around since I, I really committed to the practice. And that's why I feel so defined, I think, by the mm-hmm. fact that I'm a yoga teacher and and the fact that I'm like a devoted practitioner because it really sort of changed my whole lifestyle. So, yeah, what did you do before you came to Ashtanga? Right, I came to, okay. Many people might not know this, but I actually used to be a rugby Uh player.
0: Um, So for like 10 years, I played rugby and I actually stopped playing rugby and got into yoga because I had many concussions and one of them like rocked my world. Um, And I became super anxious, super like had a lot of mood issues. I had all this stuff go on. So that's how I sort of found, actually, let me tell the funny story about how I found meditation because, (laughs) um, so one of the biggest side effects of my concussion was, um, was anxiety. And I became so anxious. I actually couldn't like really leave the house. Like, And, and I was like really paranoid at, at night. I like thought I was going to die. It was like really crazy. And like one of my roommates was like, Mel, we need to get you to the house. Like we're going to go to a bookstore. That's pretty quiet. Like, do you want to go there? And I was like, yes, I would love to get out of the house and go to a quiet bookstore. So we went and I just like felt like I needed something, you know, to help me heal that was beyond like what they were doing in the clinical setting. And I don't know what it was, but I found myself like drawn to the section on like, um, yoga and like spirituality and Eastern religion specifically. And I picked up a a book on the complete idiot's guide to Buddhism. (laughs) I opened it up to the page on how to meditate. And I was like, yo, this is a sign from the universe. So from that day forward, I started meditating and like traditional Buddhist practice. It's sort of like the Ashtanga of meditation where you literally just like Focus on your breath. You literally count your breath. Yeah. You are supposed to just count like one on an inhale, one on an exhale. And every time, and traditionally Buddhist monks would like have like a little um like band or something on their wrist. And when you when your mind wanders, you snap the band <laughs> and it like snaps you back into reality. So I was doing that and I was like, okay, focus, focus. So I feel like I kind of rambled, but anyways, that was my no, introduction no. to That's like cool. yeah. yeah. It was like interesting. So that was my introduction to like um meditation and yoga and like for anyone who's maybe listening, like I was not the person who was ever going to practice yoga. Like, yoga was slow and boring. And, like, you know, in university, I would have never been like, oh, in, you know, 10 years, I'm going to be like a yogi, you know, <laughs> or like a meditation teacher, or like into this practice. Like, to me, I was like, yeah, rugby, like beer drinking, meat eating, like super. If you knew me like 10 years ago, I feel like I'm irrecognizable. So I can relate to how you're like, okay, like I feel super defined by this practice like I feel defined by certain things because it has been super transformational like whether it's ashtanga or any you know spiritual practice I know there's lots of people in this group who are like
1: do whatever kind of yoga it's like Mm -hmm. this stuff is so powerful it's crazy how you sort of just get drawn to it and like how when you think back of like how you were introduced to these practices and yeah you just you never knew then like how much it was gonna change your life like yeah. I mean, I was definitely the person when you're like, oh, I would have never been the person to enjoy yoga. I think I always would have been, but I just never knew about yoga, and, like what it was. Mm-hmm. I always like thought about meditation, though. Even when I was young, I used to like sit in Lotus and stuff like, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Like just, you know, like intuitively or whatever. Maybe you've seen it somewhere and then you just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Yeah. Cool. I was never sitting in Lotus as
0: even as a kid. So if anyone here is like listening who knows me, I when I first it, well, at least knows because at Elise was my teacher for so long. My hips are so tight. So first of all, you don't need to feel flexible to do yoga. I was very inflexible when I started. Still kind of stiff. It's all good. But like even when I was I remember being in grade one and I couldn't sit cross-legged on the floor because my hips were so tight
1: wow interesting oh. you know it, people think kids are like super bendy and like they are they kind of are but no like when you teach like younger kids their bodies are super interesting they're like actually really tight in certain areas and they're like mm. really like when they're younger they're very like wobbly yeah um and then I teach uh, teenagers at a custody facility right at a jail and oh man they're so stiff they're super stiff mm. a lot of them um, unless they have like backgrounds, like doing dance or something like that, like, especially the boys, like it's uh, you know, and you think the young people are, are flexible, but no, not the case. I wonder if it's like the cult, like the sitting culture. Cause I look at
0: Sats. So Sats is at an age where like, she doesn't have to sit, you know, in a desk or whatever. She's like, she's freaking runs free. She's literally spent the last month running on the beach and Goa, like living her best life. And she's pretty flexible. Like she can do whatever. But I wonder if there's like a tipping point, you know, like a turning point where kids, you know, they go like into the school system and they're like sitting for eight hours a day and then, you know, hips get tight and they can't do those things. Like I wonder if I think there has to
1: be. Yeah. Yeah, I think there has to be. Um, And even just like, yeah, what do they see, right? Like are their parents like sitting cross legs, like on even on the couch, right? So it's like when I'm on the couch, my legs are crossed. Like they're not, I'm not sitting like.
0: My legs are crossed right now. Actually one is like, yeah, yeah. Y'all tilt them. I'm like one leg's yeah. like up here and then one's like crossed.
1: <laughs> Maybe so it's an yeah. example. <laughs> <laughs> There's pro- definitely a tipping point. I wonder what exactly it is, but. Know.
0: we'll We'll have to research. For sure. <laughs> okay. So I had a little list, um, a li- not a little list. I have like a little, you know, outline of what me and Elise wanted to talk about. So we wanted to talk about our friendship e- and yeah. how it evolved because it's not like me and Elise just, okay, here's the thing too. When you grow up, it's hard to make friends. Like, it's not just like you're in school and you're, you know, paired up with Sally Ann and you and Sally Ann from grade one become best friends. It's like when you get older, it's like, how do you become friends with someone? I don't know. So me and Elise started our friendship at like, I was in my like mid to late twenties. You're in your early thirties.
1: Like this is a late blooming. Yeah. Well, you drew, you drew me a 30 birthday card. So I was in my late 20s. Oh my
0: God. I did drew you a (laughs) 30th
1: birthday. Are you going to draw me a 30th birthday
0: card? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I want it when I get back. <laughs> Not as creative as you, so we'll see. Okay, you know what you should do. <laughs> I'll do, do my pay, best. You should pay Madi five bucks to draw me a 30th birthday yes, card. Done. And then you should you should be like, this is from me. <laughs> done. Those of you who don't know, Madi is like super creative, like really good at like all the things. For Sa- I wish I had the pillow, but like for Sat's birthday, she made this like super cute unicorn yeah. pillow.
1: I have my pillow. She made like a pillow with um these asanas. Like that oh It was it's pictures of me like doing, pra- like practicing so good she could sell that shit
0: mm-hmm. she could fucking sell that shit if anyone wants yeah. custom pillows <laughs> with your own asana on them or anything yeah. anything she can do anything you let us know uh-huh. naughty man we'll pimp her out on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay so our friendship okay so I was thinking back right to the first time I saw my jeans and I don't know if you've been thinking since we kind of talked about this because I was like okay let's talk about these things Okay. So I want to talk about, or do you want to go first about
1: the first time that you saw me? No, you are the storyteller. Because I actually don't even remember the first time I saw you because I remember the first time we hung out, but like I had seen you at the studio before that.
0: Do you remember what? I
1: can't totally remember the first time.
0: Okay. Can you think back? Because I don't know if this is the first time either that I saw you, but this is my first memory of my G. Okay. 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 So you think about it. There you go. And I'll go. I'll think about it. <laughs> okay, so my first memory of Elise. I have two distinct memories that I don't know which happened first. Could have been the same day. I honestly don't know.
1: Yes, well, your memories. Is,
0: <laughs> is, yeah, it's, it's a little question. <laughs> you know, those concussions, we talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> Some things I have such a weird, good memory for, like these random, useless things. And then these like important things, I'm like, I don't know. But Majij, I do remember the first few times I ever laid eyes on her. And fun fact is that Momina Elise became friends we both had really short hair
1: (laughs) we did I totally remember that yeah you had it like shaved on the side I was all cool Yeah, but not really. <laughs> um, okay, so my first
0: memories of Elise are—I remember she was in the room. Okay, I actually even weirdly remember where you were in the room. Okay, if you're looking, if you're from EYCT, okay, it's like you're in. Like, imagine oh, I was no, in the back. This is your first memory. This is creepy. That no, <laughs> this is
1: one of is it TikToks or
0: something? it is TikToks and Pincha. <laughs> <jobs. laughs> so I'm set up in the back. Elise is on the right. Okay, and okay. this is—I'm like new to Ashtanga, so. But I'm also come from rugby, so I'm all about, like, work hard, like, tough. And, you know, I'm all about, like, being tough. And, like, that's my thing, too. That's for a whole podcast episode. Anyway, so I see this girl, and she's, like, small and, like, blonde. And, like, David, our teacher, is, like, kick up, kick up. He's, like, yelling at her. And I, I can see, like, she's having a really hard time. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, that, that poor girl. So she's doing pincha. Pincha's her struggle <laughs> clothes, okay? She's doing pincha. She's struggling, and I'm like, yo, that sucks. Like, I feel really bad for her. And then after Pincha, he's got her doing TikToks. So if you okay, so Pincha, <laughs> if you don't know, is like forearm balance. Okay, he's trying to get her to kick up into a forearm balance. Then after that, she probably is like no break, and he's making her do TikToks, which are basically like you jump into a handstand and you flomp, flomp, flip yourself over into a back bend, and then you flip yourself out of that backbend into I don't even know. Anyways, it's just <laughs> like the word. So that was one of my first memories of Elise. And I was like, yo, I feel so bad for that girl, that poor girl, that poor girl. And then the second memory is you're walking up the stairs. I think you were like maybe taking a mid-practice poop. And Vikram was like, hey, Elise, this is, this is my girlfriend Mel. And you were like, hey, hey, yeah, hi. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this girl's in a rush. Like, okay, bye. Anyways, and I now that I know about the practice, I remember we were in a practice outfit. And I was like, now I'm like, maybe she was going poop. Or pee. For um, sure.
1: And, and for me, like when I'm practicing, I'm like very focused. And so if I take a break to go pee or go poo, I'm very like hustle in, hustle out. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like someone's like, hey, this is my girlfriend. I'm like, okay, great. Like, like oh, can we friend. do this later? I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, but yeah, so uh, see the first time I like my first memory of you is definitely when we all hang out together for the first time um, at your at Bikram's uh, place uh which wasn't yours yet I guess it was not mine yet um yeah and then I think see I definitely don't remember him being like this is my girlfriend because I think that's when I was like <laughs> oh this is Vikram's girlfriend yeah like I remember distinctly in my mind being like oh I've seen this girl around the studio mm-hmm. like oh this is his girlfriend so like yeah that day I was definitely in a rush to poop <laughs> <I didn't> remember <laughs> but there's that's actually so funny. funny enough on my Instagram page and I didn't post very much that uh at that time. There's a picture of you and someone that we went out with at the time on my Instagram page from the day that we first ever hung out together.
0: Snow. Now I want to go see it. You can go look at it. Yeah. I'm going to go look at that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, you know, a sign. A sign that it was going to be a well. It was like we planted the strong seeds. We did. Or an oak tree of a friendship. Uh Uh-huh. We did. consider this an oak tree.
1: It's an oak (laughs) And I think that was the very same did our friendship develop this quickly where that was the same day that we nicknamed each other? I think it did. Okay. I think it did develop
0: that quickly because Uh it just did, because of Shanga. So that is the day. So if you're from the AYCD community, you may have heard me at least refer to each other as Gigi. And we think we might need to discuss and share what that means. Because people ask and we're like, eh, we don't say anything. But really and truly. Pretty lame. As, it's pretty, it's actually kind of lame. And yeah. It's like a bit lame, but we bonded over what I bond with a lot of people over, but me and Elise had a special, it was a special bond. I don't even know. I don't even know how it like clicked so much, but we bonded over poop because I've just made a steely resolve in my life to not associate myself with people who don't want to discuss their poop. You know, it's like we all poop. Pooping is amazing. Pooping is a bodily function. Anyways, we bonded over poop mm-hmm. and I think we had been drinking. And no, we'd definitely been drinking <laughs> and we were trying to create like a nickname. We were like, Vikram, how do you say poop in Hindi? He's like, I think it's just poo. And we were like, well, that's lame. And then we were like, how do you say butt? And he's like, Gond. And we were like, great. We're the Gond girls. And he's like, don't say that out loud because like in India, like that's like girls who like it in the butt. <laughs> it's, like,
1: it's like, don't, don't go don't... around calling call the Gond girls in <laughs> India. Yeah.
0: We're like, oh, okay. Well, well, I guess it would be you? like, It would be like
1: calling yourself the butt girls here. Like it also sounds
0: bad. sounds bad. You don't want to be a butt girl. Get up the butt. No.
1: (laughs) But you're a Gigi. Yeah. And Gigi has become so
0: pervasive in our lives that Sats, in fact, calls Elise anti-Gigi. It's true. And we can maybe never tell her what that means. Maybe it's good girl. Maybe it's great girl. Oh, that's, yeah. Goofy girl. (laughs) We can think of other G G adjectives to
1: describe you. Yeah, totally. That's easy
0: totally can. And since that fine day of the Gigi creation, I feel like our friendship has really blossomed. And like, we yeah. actually, mean and Elise actually say this to each other all the time. I feel like we're those people who like, probably like once every few weeks, I'm like, Elise, I'm just like so grateful for you, man. Like we just are so great. Anyways, I feel like our friendship has really like blossomed into this really like wonderful thing to the point where like we joke that like I'm literally across the world, but I, I don't miss her because I feel like I talk to her every single day. <laughs> Like we literally talk all the time and like, I don't know, just how our friendship has evolved. I don't even know like, again, like that same kind of tipping point, like what happened. But like, I feel like because of the practice and like, you know, we're so like aligned on so many things, like we just slowly but surely started like messaging more and having, you know, these like really deep, like we started with voice notes instead of calling because calling is so like the 1990s and like voice noting is so 2020s. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I really feel like the voice notes gave us
1: this. Deep connection, ma'am. Voice notes are key. And like Gary always is like, why are you guys voice noting? Like, why do you guys just talk <laughs> on the phone? Gary is my boyfriend's partner. I don't know. We've been together forever. Um, and I'm like, no, man. Like voice notes are the best because it's like you can say your piece uninterrupted. And then I can say my piece uninterrupted. And we can listen to that on our own times. It's not like we have to like carve out like you know, a time, like you might be busy with stats or whatever, and you can just like be listening and then respond back. Like whenever you're ready, I'm like, voice notes are awesome. He's crazy. So anyone who doesn't like voice notes, no, nah. this, this friendship would not have developed without them. hundred percent. And yeah, I think it, it was, it, it blossomed so much because we were voice noting, our voice notes ended up being like these really like deep conversations, these kind of conversations that you don't just have with anyone because you can't have them with everyone. Like, because some people just aren't down, they don't understand. You just don't connect on that level. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think it's interesting because I feel like it's that like depth in the conversations that maybe is why like our friendship became really close, really um, quickly because it's like what we were talking about wasn't just like the weather and like, Oh, so how's, you know, this, whatever. It wasn't superficial. It was actually like, Deep. And when we say deep, like we are literally like questioning like life, man. Like we talk universe. about aliens and shit. <laughs> we talk <laughs> about aliens. Let us know if you guys want us to do an alien podcast. Like we are. Just oh, we like totally can. 100%. We got to get Gary on for like. Yeah, get Gary. We got to get Gary on for like a guest a guest episode. Gary knows, oh, you know what? You know what I think really did it? Okay, this is why our friendship, now it's all coming back together. The memory.
1: Christmas. It was. The <laughs> onesie party?
0: I think it was the onesie party. And I yeah, was like. <laughs> I was like, Elise, what do you know about aliens? And she was like, buddy, Gary knows about aliens. <laughs> and I was like, I want to know. And then we started talking about aliens. And then it just like, un- and then it's like, okay, you know how they say, have you, have you guys ever seen those memes where it's like making friendship in your you know, adulthood is kind of like, you mean another human and you're like, I like this. And they're like, me too. And then you're like, we're friends. It's like that heart, our, our friendship became that way because it's like, we both like acknowledged that we had this like, I don't know. We were, we were, we wanted to like go deep. Like we wanted to like yeah. really like understand like ourselves, like the universe, you know? And I think that's super interesting because a lot of our voice notes are like us. Like I even sent you one today, like me going through we're like us kind of going through, I don't know, our thought processes on certain things, like in practice, in like life situations, like if something say triggering happens to us or something that really like frustrates us, we have this like anger or sadness or whatever. It's like I actually will like voice note you and I'll just be like unpacking and like being you know discovering like as I'm voice noting you like almost like therapy like what um I don't know like what I'm dealing with and in 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 a very like non judgmental space where you'll just be like
1: hmm, interesting or
0: give me your sort of like non
1: judgmental feedback yeah, it's so good, and like that sort of like self exploration like you said like you don't need therapy <laughs> when you have this kind of relationship because it's like If, if I'm upset about something or you're upset about something, it's like, we'll just voice note and totally be like questioning ourselves and our own thought processes. And it's like, we're, it's like, I don't even know if I'm voice noting you. I'm almost like talking to myself, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But having that like sounding board, like you call it, like it's so helpful for if you're conscious enough and self-aware enough to try to like discover, like how you're feeling. It's like, if I'm upset, I'm not just calling you to bitch. I'm calling you to try to understand why I'm upset right now Mm -hmm. and like what that means and where that comes from. And like, like you said, it's like in a space that you're not judging me and you're not trying to make me feel better. And if anything, you're giving me like really great feedback, you know, based on what I'm telling you.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think it's super interesting because it's like, I feel like we're living in this world of like girl power, like female empowerment. And like, yes, like that's amazing. Like we need to lift each other up for sure. But I also feel like exactly like you're saying, like there's a place and something that I really value about our friendship is like, I know that if I say something to Elise or I'm like, you know, in my, in my place of like self-discovery or if I am just bitching or whatever, she's not going to just like feed into it and be like, yeah, you should be angry about that thing. Oh my OMG. You know, she'll like call me out if I'm being an idiot, you know, or like if, if something is happening in my life and I share that with her, I know that she's not just going to be like, Oh my God, totally and agree with everything I say. She's going to question me the same way I question myself. And I know that of her as well. Like, you know, the reverse is true. It's like, I feel that when we like, this is like the importance of having those conscious relationships is like, you actually want to surround yourself with people who aren't just agreeing with you and like feeding into your ego. It's like, you want to surround yourself with people. We're holding you to a higher standard, right? Who who hold you to be bigger and better than you hold yourself, and who help you facilitate that questioning in like a I don't want to say like a safe place, but in a, in a non judgmental place, right? Like you nailed it when you're like, Elise has the, one of Elise's superpowers is she's an amazing communicator. And also an amazing, I guess, I guess communication is both listening and talking, but like if I say something to Elise, I always say, we joke, I'm like, Vikram, can you go get like lessons from Elise? Because if I say something to Elise, she says the exact thing you need to hear. And it's not what I want to hear. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not like she just like indulges my ego or like what Eckhart Tolle would call like my pain body. It's like, she be like, hey dude, like that really sucks. I'm really sorry you're going through that. And then like, I don't know, just sort of like validate what you're feeling. Help me question it. It's just like the most excellent sounding board where I know that I'm not just going to get my BS sort of like fed into. Like, I know that like, you're going to tell me like it is. And it's interesting. So I feel like I'm rambling and going on, but I feel like as we like do this work in this practice and as we develop our, our self and we begin to observe the ego, it's like, I actually can feel myself craving an external person, because like when we're in like, you know, a situation or like something is really like hard for us, we're really angry, we're, we're really upset. It's like our pain body, our ego like takes over and it wants, it's like me and Elise always laugh. Like I'll even say to her, like my pain body's hungry. Like it wants like the drama it wants, like to be angry and be upset. But I can feel it. There's just like part of me that wants someone else. Cause I know that I can't really do that for myself in that moment. Almost. It's like, I want someone else to be like, okay, dude, I get it. Like that's really hard. And here's a different perspective. Like, I feel like that's what a conscious friendship offers rather than like just feeding into that
1: ego. Yeah. Like fueling the fire, you know, like Mm -hmm. you don't just want to like fuel someone's fire and it it can be tempting because, you know, we all have tendencies to sort of like gossip and just get into like the drama, you know, we all love drama. I was telling you earlier, I was watching love is blind (laughs) on Netflix (laughs) because like, we all like crave that like drama. And Mm -hmm. so you know, if you care about someone, you you need to be, you know, aware mm-hmm. that you're not, you know, feeding into their drama, like for your own ego, for your own, basically mm-hmm. your own entertainment. Right. And that does happen. And it's not like people that do that are like bad people. They're just mm-hmm. like not even, I think, aware that they're doing that and that they're actually like not doing anything constructive and like helping the other person. Mm-hmm you know, to grow or maybe see a different perspective. I definitely think seeing like the other person's side is is always helpful. Like as a friend, you know, if, if someone's coming at you and like bitching, like trying to calm them down and, and give some of that perspective, you know, I think it's really helpful to help them grow. But again, like that, like you, I'm lucky, like we're lucky because mm-hmm. you're on the receiving end and I know you're going to receive that well. You know, like some people don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And and that's just the thing, like you're not, you're not going to be able to cultivate these kinds of friendships with everyone. Mm. Right. I was thinking about this um, a while ago, but I was trying to break down like different ki- kinds of friendships and I'm like, okay, there's like the conscious, you know, friendship, like we're talking about now, um, which is like the person who wants the best for you. Like they'll tell you the hard truths. You know what I mean? Like they would rather see you succeed and like not even be around than to like be around and drag you down mm-hmm. type thing. Um, there's like the toxic relationship. You know, the person that really does not want what's best for you only wants you around for themselves, like will even like pull you down, you know, to make themselves feel better. And then I was thinking there's like the fair weather friend, you know, like these people don't, don't have bad intentions. It's just like the, the relationship is like superficial and you you can never really go deep. They'll probably just kind of like tell you what you want to hear, like agree with what you're saying. And it's not like all of us are just in one we're not like in one category like we can all be mm-hmm. those diff types of friends to different people in our lives mm-hmm. like even the toxic you know like obviously you want to think like you're <laughs> not that person especially moving forward like in my life now I'm like oh man I hope I'm not that person but you know in your past who knows maybe you were that person to someone like growing up in adolescence and stuff like you could have been like a toxic friend you know you mm-hmm. know, you don't know and um depending on like who you meet like and, and I feel like, especially when it comes to, like, the sort of superficial friendships, like, if I meet someone that I like, like, a friend, but, you know, if they're the kind of person who, like, really gets offended at stuff and, like, doesn't want to hear the truth and, like, I really feel like I can't be open about my thoughts and my beliefs and, like, my opinions and, and tell them, like, the hard truths and, and they're not going to give that back to me, then I'm just going to be a fair-weather friend. You know what I mean? Like, that's just it's not like I can be this person for everyone because it's reciprocal. And we talk about that a lot as well, how like our relationship works so well because it's reciprocal. Like we're we're both giving and taking, it's not just one-sided. So like I have <laughs> I have a friend that I see this with a lot where she'll have a friend and this friend will be like, oh my God, like you're my best friend. Like we're so close. Our relationship is so amazing. And then my friend is on the other end like, uh, okay. Like you're my friend (laughs) and I care about you, but like (laughs) they're there. Like we're not, we're not besties, you know? And, and what I, what I notice with these types of relationships is that the person that's like, oh yeah, you're my number one, that what they don't get is that the relationship's all about them. Mm. And they're, they're, they're going, they're constantly going to the other person to unload and to get help. And the other person is good and, and they're there for them, but the other person's, never getting any of that, you know, like Mm -hmm. the person that's like, oh, you're my best friend is never actually reaching out and saying like, okay, what's going on in your life? You know, like Mm -hmm. what can I help you with? Like they're, they're never, they're just taking, they're not really, they're not really giving. So it's kind of like, then it's like a weird dynamic where one person really believes like, oh, this is, you know, such a good deep friendship, but really it's like, they're kind of lacking self-awareness to see that actually they're just, they're just sort of taking and they're not, the relationship isn't reciprocal. So it's actually can only go so deep. Like Mm -hmm. it it can only, yeah, you need, it needs to go both ways, I think for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think something super interesting that I like heard in that conversation and like something that you and I've talked about before is like just acknowledging certain relationships or friendships for what they are and not wanting them to be any different. Because you're going to come and it could be like family. You can't choose your family. They are who they are. You know, it could be, yeah, certain friends you've had for a long period of time or whatever. Um, and you're not trying to like break up with people, but it's like just recognizing like what is, what does this friendship, like what, what is this friendship and and how do I relate to this friendship? And if it's not reciprocal, like you don't have to spend a ton of time and energy on it. Like you can just value it for what it is. Um, and I think it's like so important too, to like not have an expectation on someone else and get frustrated. I've done this, you know, tons of times where I feel frustrated, you know, at someone who I'm, you know, whether it's like family or friend or whatever that, you know, I'm in a relationship with, because a relationship isn't just like your romantic partner. It's like your friendship. It's like, I have found myself getting really frustrated that my need my that my needs weren't being say met in a relationship or friendship or whatever. But it's like actually you can't, it's like you have two options. You either like address it with that person and you know, if it's like a, a very intimate or close relationship, or you just like accept that relationship for what it is and like not spend your time being like, oh, so annoyed because so and so, you know, didn't hear me in this conversation today. It's like you just need to be like, okay, cool, like this person this person isn't my person. And there is someone, you know, I'm sure like exactly like you said, I'm probably a fair weather friend to a lot of people, but to you, I'm like a -hmm. conscious friend. I'm someone who's like very like reliable and in it and like vice versa. So it's like, yeah, you can be many of these things in like different relationships in your life and they don't all have to be this way. I actually prefer having like a few super solid, super close friends And having like my fair weather friends or, you know, whatever my casual friends who I like
1: don't see for years, like it's great. (laughs) And it's not to say that like a a sort of fair weather friendship can't like develop into something deeper and more meaningful. Mm -hmm. But I think in order for that to happen, like that means both parties need to develop like a deep Mm self-awareness. Like, I think that's really the key. Like when we talk about conscious relationships and conscious Mm -hmm. friendships is being self-aware because that also plays into like not taking things personally. Mm -hmm. And like you said, when you're like, I'm so annoyed having expectations on people, right. Being like, I'm so annoyed this person, you know, didn't do this and doing that. It's like, well, first of all, you're having these expectations and you're taking it personally. Like Mm -hmm. it's realizing, oh, that person actually isn't even aware you know what I mean? That that's what you need. That's what you want. Like, did you tell that person? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, uh, yeah, just trying not to take things personally. I forget how this, where, where I am right now. Forget
0: how it started to, But yeah. I think um, something that I thought about when you were talking. And then I just remembered again is like this mm-hmm. idea of recognizing that we're actually, cause you said the thing about, you know, being conscious and being present and being like aware of like where you're at, where other people are at. It's like also recognizing that everyone is at different levels of consciousness. So if you're interacting with someone who's at, I don't want to be like a lower level of consciousness like they're they're not bad or anything yeah 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 yeah. it's just like what are they are do they practice daily and it's not like they're bad it's just that they don't and they don't have a level of awareness and so they might do things that like piss you off or seem like um really disrespectful or seem frustrating or you can see like this is something i've really like and i feel again you know i've talked about this like i've really seen in myself as like someone who is in my life who you know doesn't practice who doesn't have you know and it's not even a shangha. It's like, they don't have a practice of consciousness. That could be meditation. It could be mantra. It could be whatever, like Mm -hmm. who doesn't have a practice who operates inside of like a really gross lack of awareness. And it's not Mm -hmm. bad. It's not wrong. I find myself or like I did, it's been such a practice. This is like the real life practice of like recognizing Mm -hmm. like, okay, this person is actually doing the best they can within their sphere of consciousness and with what they know and i actually have to like take some deep breaths and not make them wrong for that and like meet them where they are and then make a choice like do i want to surround myself with this like you know with these people or do i want to you know scale back a little bit and be like okay like i need to protect my energy like i you know what how do i want to spend my time and who do i want to
1: spend it with like yeah I, that's super important like you said like protecting yourself and your energy and again it's like i mean you have to do that especially when It's funny when you said like, you can't pick your family. And I thought about that when I was thinking about these like friendships and Mm -hmm. because of the toxic person, you know, like the person that's bad for you. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you definitely want to like keep that person like at arm's length, but like, what if that person is, Mm -hmm. is yeah. Like your, your sibling or your parent, you know what I mean? Like, what if that's your parent? Like people Mm -hmm. have those relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's difficult. It's like to, you have to be really self-aware and, and really draw boundaries Mm. you know to be like okay this is my parent like I can't like break up with them like they're always going to be there I have to sort of like try to accept them for who they are mm. um, and draw, really just draw really solid boundaries like around that relationship And I think that's what's like, going to help protect you from yeah people who either want to just take a lot from you or mm-hmm. people who are really actually not good for you and, and sort of want to hold things against you and Mm-hmm. put you down. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's something like I've definitely experienced and like this idea of bound ba- It's so funny. This idea of boundaries is something that's like just super coming up for me <laughs> in like this yeah. year. I'm, like, I need solid it's boundaries. the year of boundaries, 2020. Oh my God. It is the year of boundaries. And I, I actually, when you said that, I thought you said fear of boundaries and it is super funny because I actually do. So this is something actually, me and Elise, so me and Elise also, by the way, we have like a job that is not yoga. <laughs>
1: We're always, we, we you know, are When talking, I was like introducing myself, I'm like, do I talk about everything? Like, because I also well, like, do other things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I do other things other than yoga. So we have this other job partner, woman <laughs> called Lori Kennedy. She's super lovely. But part of our job is, you know, um, talking to people. Shoot, why, would, why did I start saying this again? Oh, Boundaries. Nice. Boundaries and being nice. Okay. So part of our job, you know, like, and even in Elise's job as a teacher is like, you know, her job is to show up and hold people accountable. And even in my job over in the yogi feel method, my programs with my clients, my job is to hold people accountable. And inside of our work with this woman, Lori, our job is to hold people accountable and help them see, you know, beyond their own sort of limiting beliefs of what's possible for them. And a part of doing that is making, is like, sometimes you're going to make people feel uncomfortable and you're not going to be this like nice person all the time. And like, I have this thing where I'm like super nice and super agreeable. And like me and Vikram were laughing that like, I went to this coffee shop in Delhi, like a few um, months ago when we were here earlier. And it was really tiny and the owner of the cop, I went there to work and the owner of the coffee shop talked to me for like an hour. And I was too nice to be like, sorry, I'm actually working. Like, I thought that that would be rude. Like I felt like to get what I needed, this is getting deep guys, <laughs> but I felt like to get That's what why I were doing this. That's why we're doing this. This is therapy for me. Yeah, this is why we're here. (laughs) It was like, I felt like I couldn't ask for what I needed because I didn't want to make her feel a little uncomfortable. And honestly, she wouldn't have felt uncomfortable. Like she honestly probably would be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like she would not have felt uncomfortable. I just like had this idea in my head that speaking up for what I needed, not even, that's not even a relationship, but speaking up for what I needed was like going to make her feel uncomfortable. And so I sacrificed what I needed. And this is a thing that has shown up. A lot in my my life. And it shows up in like the way that, you know, like, you know, in this job, even like, I'd be so nice. I'd be trying to make people feel good. And it's like, no, when you are trying to make, I was thinking about this even earlier in our conversation too. It's like, when you're trying to make someone feel good, we should make people feel good. That's not nice to make people intentionally feel bad, but like part of like standing for someone and part of like holding someone to be higher and greater and better than they are if they are someone that you care about is having difficult conversations with them is like being able to make someone feel a little bit uncomfortable for their betterment exactly like Elise said earlier and this is something that I'm like evolving into is being able to be someone who's like who can say those difficult things and I'm really grateful for like Elise who's this like safe person who's not going to get like butt hurt if I have to like you know call her out on something like it's good to have um, maybe you're like a good practice friend for anyone who wants to maybe say difficult truths to someone you can call Elise. You can call yeah. me, you can tell me difficult truths. I won't get offended. <laughs> um, tell us. I feel like I kind of went on a ramble there, but the moral of that story is that, um, I think, yeah, even in our relationships with people, with our family, like with our, you know, close, close friends, people we've known for a long time with our partner, like you need to like speak up for yourself and learn how to like, it's okay to make someone feel slightly uncomfortable because you actually need to get what you need. And if you are struggling, I work with people who struggle with anxiety, people who have like really low energy, people who are struggling with, you know, real big stuff. It's like only way that things are going to change is if you are able to like have a conversation to create new boundaries, create new habits. And you know, when you're living with someone or you're living in, you know, like a a family situation, unless you're going to have those difficult conversations, like nothing is going to change for you and you're going to continue to struggle and struggle. So learning how to be
1: like, you know, you don't have to be an asshole. You just have to be, you know, like a little firm.
0: (laughs) I'm yeah. Ready.
1: And I think if you can't be on un, like uncomfortable with yourself, like really, you're like worried about making yourself uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> like, it wasn't really about, I, can you hear me? I can't hear you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay, Sorry. Cool. I didn't know if you were like, okay, okay, okay. But, we're back. Um, we're, back. <laughs> we're back. So. It's like, yeah, you're making, worried about making her feel uncomfortable, but really that would have made you feel uncomfortable to, mm-hmm. to ask for what you want. Like you said, you have a hard time mm-hmm. like asking for what you need because you feel like anxious around that and discomfort mm-hmm. around that. But I think the more that you deal with that within yourself, mm-hmm. then the more you'll be able to show up and do that for others. Like you said, like be able to, you know, hold someone to a higher standard and have difficult conversations with someone else. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to be ready to do that if you mm-hmm. can't even. Have that conversation like in here, right? With yourself.
0: Unagi. Unagi. <laughs> Does everyone get that reference from friends. Ah, salmon skin roll.
1: <laughs> Officially, everyone has watched Friends. It's on Netflix. And Madi, the girl that we spoke about earlier, she's younger. She's like 23 or 20. I think she's 23. And, and she just finished all of the seasons. She's in love with it. So Excellent. I think the Friends references, they still stand. Unagi. They stand the test of time. <laughs> Excellent. So then I can tell everyone that Sats,
0: okay, for those of you who follow me on the gram or who know me, Sats is honestly hilarious. And so we taught her Unagi. So she'll say Unagi. And then we taught her salmon skin roll. And then the other day... She went tamarind rice. And it was honestly the funniest thing. This kid is like a little joker. She's so funny. Okay. She's like her mama. Just like her mama. I hope that I can raise her to be a hilarious little human. Um, Okay. That felt good. This was a good session, man. Is there anything else you want to add? That was a good session. Anything else you'd like to add before I go into the group
1: and see if anyone has any questiones? No, man. I think, uh, I think that was good. I think I hit all the points that I wanted to hit and yeah, that's what he said.
0: (laughs) Um, okay. (laughs) Let's see what people are saying. Steph C says, I'm here for it. This feels like the Ashtangi holistic psychologist. Why? Thank you. I think that's what we were going for. (laughs) Um, and then we just have a few comments from Daria saying, yes, Four people are watching. Hi, guys. Okay, so if anyone has any questions, comments, anything, speak now. Ooh, Steph C said, oh, okay. in terms of ego work, how do you work up to the mindfulness? Okay, I might not fully understand what you're understand saying.
1: I don't understand the question. Yeah, I think, Come
0: on, okay. Steph. No, I'm kidding. Come on, Steph, give us more. <laughs> I think I, I think what you might be saying is, in terms of the ego work, like how do you work up the ability to recognize the ego when it shows up? mom brain guys. <laughs> the mom brain is real. <laughs> the mom brain is real. Um, yes. Okay. So yeah. How do you recognize the ego? I mean, I'll give my two bits and then you can give your two bits. Elise is pretty good with this. I mean, the first thing you should do is read Eckhart Tolle's power of now <laughs> and, and recognize about the pain body. Elise is saying. mucho grande. Um, I think that in itself is a practice. Like I think that anything that's like, I'm trying to think of like, when I first started like noticing the ego, like any time, the way I think about it is like I used to describe it as this little gremlin that would like live inside me that was hungry for drama. So like when you notice yourself in this like spiral, like a self-deprecating spiral, when you're in a space of crazy anxiety stuff and like you're thinking like, oh my God, you're ruminating on all of these things, you're catastrophizing, the catastrophizing is a hundred percent ego. Cause none of that stuff is real. It's the ego hungry, chomp, 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 trying to feed the pain body and make it stronger. And the more that we like spiral, the more that we think, the more that we, yeah, like catastrophize, the more fuel the pain body gets and the stronger it feels. It's like, it's just like, it gets stronger and hungrier and stronger and hungrier. And then it gets huge. Um, And so like, yeah, just noticing that even in the middle of it and even the awareness that like, oh my God, I'm in my pain body right now. And even if that awareness comes like right at the end of like a huge meltdown or something, that level of awareness is enough. And then the next meltdown, it'll come earlier. And I'm saying meltdown. It doesn't have to be meltdown, but in the next sort of big thing, it's like slowly you'll inch your way closer to catching the ego when it's like at the source almost, or right when it starts to sort of like act up and, you know, be all dramatic. Um, So, and I think that the practice is a really great place to observe that because it's really neutral. It's really like, you know, there's nothing, it's just the postures. And then maybe at least you can comment more on this. But you know, it's like you start to notice like the thoughts, any thought too, that's the ego, you know, you're not your thoughts, you're just the the self that witnesses those thoughts. So recognizing that anytime you have a thought, and I know that like strong thoughts, they're really strong, they're really powerful, they're really ego-driven, they feel super real, but any thought is actually a result of ego and presence is only this is something that Lise taught me that presence and just being like aware and observing those things as they happen is like the key to slowly, but surely like working up that, working the muscle of the self and getting the ego all gone. Anyways, at least tell yeah, me what your I thoughts think
1: are. It's funny that you said I'm good at explaining this because that was like amazing. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, so like you said, um, read Eckhart Tolle, a hundred uh, percent, especially if you're going to be listening to us because we, refer to the pain body a lot and understanding what the pain body is, I think is huge. It's like a huge step towards like becoming more self-aware, more mindful, more conscious of like when the ego is like flaring up because the pain body is like, is your ego, but it's like this, it's like more than that. It's like this negative energy field around you that just wants to be negative. And like, we've all experienced that. We've all experienced actually wanting to be angry like being angry and then wanting to be angrier and it's like you don't want people to calm you down you don't want to feel better you actually just want to feel like negative mm-hmm. and the more so okay back to like just you know being mindful of the ego for sure just like observing your thoughts is you being mindful of the ego whether they're like negative or positive or anything like that like you just simply observing yourself thinking and the thoughts that come up in your mind is you know that's like the ego and so that's going to take you closer to becoming more and more conscious and the more you observe your thoughts the more like every time say you're in like a train of thought and then you're like oh i'm in a train of thought like all of a sudden you're like breaking that train of thought there's like a there's a break there and then you know the train of thought will keep You know, go somewhere else, and then you notice again, and you're breaking. So the more you practice, like breaking those trains of thoughts, the longer like those pauses will be between thoughts. And those pauses are is being in the moment, right? Is being present. Is like being without thought. Actually, just sort of like sitting there and noticing your ego. And so it is like it's a muscle. You got to work it. It's totally a practice. And the more you are aware of what's going on in your mind and like, you know, your emotions and questioning what's going on rather than just being totally consumed by what's going on, you know, the, the closer and closer you sort of get towards like, yeah, towards being, you know, self-aware and and more conscious. Um, I hope that was answered the question. Now I kind of forget I'm rambling. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Did I mention that sometimes Uh, like I'll be, so this happened. (laughs) uh the other day like I'll be mid like freak out and then in my mind I'm like this is my pain like I'm I'll know this is my pain body like I'm I'm not actually as upset about the situation like as I'm making it seem but I'm still acting out the freak out Mm. have you ever been there it's like I'm still Mm. acting it out even though in my mind I'm like you are being ridiculous yep (laughs) and it's so weird it is
0: so weird. It's so it's such a testament to like how strong it is, like how strong the pain body is, how strong the ego is, and like how much you you just need to literally keep consistently practicing. It's like, yes, we have like our practice, but it's like our off-the-mat practice of just like being super aware, like every time that we're, you know, in that space or any time that we have any thought, you know, just being aware of that, like practicing, yeah. building the muscle of like the self rather than like feeding the ego, you know.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there was something I was gonna say. And now it's escaping me. Ego thoughts. I would say the other thing too, just to like note this as well, is it's like we are all, like we said, on different at different levels of consciousness, and we're all at different levels of like our ability to like observe the you know, the self, observe the ego. So it's like, don't ever make yourself wrong for freaking out. Like we all freak out, it's all good. Like The ego is super sneaky because it's like, we'll freak out about something and then we'll have all this guilt and shame and weird stuff around the fact that we freaked out about it. And it's just like more fuel for the ego. It's like the way the ego sneaks in the back door. Right. So yeah, what I would say too, is like be gentle with yourself. Like just recognize like we're on this journey. You don't have to have it figured out right now. You just need to like continue to practice that level of like consciousness. You know, when people, you know, when we started our journey or whatever, you know, it's not that we were like great at this, you know, when anyone picks up, you know, a yoga mat for the first time, they're not amazing at asana, but through daily practice and just like slowly, but surely, you know, moving through, um, I don't want to say moving through the motions, but you know, slowly, but surely practicing,
1: we build that muscle and it becomes easier. So I would say like, I have something I just thought of, which ties into relationships. (laughs) See, this is what happens with me and Mel. We can just keep going and going and going. It's fine. Okay. So like the more that you observe like your own pain body and like flaring up, then the more you start to observe when it happens to your partner or any, anyone else like that you're in a relationship with. And it's actually so helpful because sometimes I see Gary and he's in his pain body. And, and I, I know, like, I don't, I don't, oh, why is he being such an asshole? Like, why is he in a mood? Like, I'm not taking it personally in any way, shape or form. I'm like, he is in his pain body. Like, and that's enough for me. Like I could just leave it. You know what I mean? Like knowing it is what it is and like that it's going to pass without it flaring up my pain body. Cause that's what happens. It like feeds off each other. Right. So without it, like me reacting to it and having it affect like my pain body and Mm -hmm. started getting ego driven and taking it personally, I'm just like, nope, he's in his pain body right now. Like, and I'm just going to let it, let him ride it out.
0: Totally. And like, Like let's just consider for a moment that like, actually maybe the pain body is inherently like neutral. Like it is like, it's like latent potential that we, the more we like acknowledge, the more we feed the pain body, the more that we give it energy and attention, the bigger it grows. So it's like, if you're just like, Oh, he's in his pain body period walk away, you know, don't, don't engage with it. It's like, we need to not engage with people's pain bodies. I am the kind of person pre, I don't know, yoga, my pain body wants to interact in that. Yeah. This is the thing. Pain bodies want to interact with other pain bodies. It's like more hunger. It's like, they're so hungry all the time, you know? So when like his pain body, and this is the thing too, like energetically, it's like, we aren't just a physical body. We have these like other layers and those layers like extend out from us. So our pain body is like a very real like layer, like energetic, whatever field that's actually around us. So when we're actually physically close to someone they're in their pain body and it's like if their pain body comes close to like the energetic, like the, the space around us where our pain body say like lives, it's like, I'm hungry too. You know, like they, they actually, 100%. Need and you need, it's it like, is a very hard thing to do. Siljay, Siljay, Celia, <laughs> <It's>, um, <laughs> It is. It's such a hard thing to do. It's like such a practice. And it perhaps is like the ultimate practice because the pain body is like so in that space. But it's like when you can, exactly like you said, recognize the pain body in someone else. And then from your state of like equanimity, take a few deep breaths. Today, Vikram was in his pain body. He like lost something and he was like getting really annoyed about it. And I was like, I could have taken that super personally because he was really like irritated and his pain body was super hungry. And instead, I was like mindful. I observed. I was just like neutral and actually his pain body diffused more quickly than like if I had been like beating it, you know, fire or whatever. So it can definitely be helpful for relationships.
1: Oh my God. I can't wait to do this next podcast because I feel like we have so many good things to talk about.
0: We do. We could honestly go forever. However, it is definitely. Yeah, It's like, I need to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone have any more questiones or we will probably end this. Cause yeah, we could just go for, we could just have like, if we lived together, we could just do like a, it would be like um, a reality TV show. <laughs> we could just talk all day. 24 seven. Yeah. 24 be, we'd be seven so, yeah, live streaming of Mel and Elise. That's a real thing that people have. Like, I mean, obviously there's like TV shows, like, you know, but that's a real thing where like people just have a camera. Yeah. Together.
1: People pay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: People pay. Okay. If there's no more questions, if people who watch this later, by the way, have questions, or this is going to be extracted, we are extracting the audio and putting it on the actual podcast. It'll be hosted under, for now, the Yogi Feel podcast. Um, so if you have any questions about this, you can either just comment in the Facebook um, thread and we can respond to them as and when they happen. Or you can, you know, have those questions and then either hop on over to the Beyond the Austin Facebook group or like send us respectively, like a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Um, Steph C says, it's very fun watching your banter. I love it. Thanks, Steph. That's what we were hoping for. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Melissa says you can watch Eckhart Tolle and Oprah. They talk about the book yes. by Chap. Really good.
1: Un- it is good. Unagi. Thank you. I've not seen for that, that one. one. Good thank recommendation.
0: I'm in skin roll. Okay. <clears throat> I think that's all we've got. I think we're gonna <laughs> shut her down. Um, okay. Like cool. nice. Thanks for coming. This was so fun. Hope you enjoyed it as much as yes. we did. That's what she said. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Inappropriate joke. Um, yeah, I don't know how to culminate this because it's just so exciting. I don't want it to end. That's it. I
1: don't want to leave. <laughs> I don't want to
0: leave. Um, but alas, we will. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for coming and watching us. We will be doing this, like we said at the beginning, every the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. EST, aka Eastern Standard Time. For Shauna, that is Toronto time. <laughs> That is Toronto time, a.k.a. like New York City time, the general. In my head, EST is the center of the universe. And I still, even though I'm in India, fun fact, I operate on EST. I always convert everything. Like, what time is it really? Isn't that interesting? Whoa. Not going to go down the rabbit hole there. Time is a social construction man. Anyway.
1: Oh, my God. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) We can keep going. (laughs)
0: Um, Oh, Steph C, only one Sunday a month. As for now, it's only one Sunday per month. I mean, honestly, guys, there's no rules. no rules we can do whatever we want we can do whatever no one owns us yeah no one owns us that's the power of free media man okay (laughs) we're not not (laughs) we don't need a label there's no one holding us accountable except each other and you guys the fans (laughs) the fans okay i'm (laughs) ready I'm actually rambling now. This is fun.
1: Okay. If the fans want more, we give them more. That's yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> That's what we roll. Bye. Rock on, guys. <laughs> okay, we're actually leaving. Oh my God.
0: Good day, everyone. Bye. Good day. Bye.